All right, if you weren't awake, you are now. That was No Small Children with the Ghostbusters theme. And standing by to join me on the next segment is author Diane Lebec. Good morning. Good morning, Janine. Congratulations on your latest book, The Last Woman in the Forest. That must be exciting thank feeling. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited about it. Um, you want to give the listeners a little brief rundown without giving too much away? Sure. Uh, so this is my second adult novel, and it takes place in a number of just really incredible wilderness settings. But it's about a, a woman, a female conservation worker who works with dogs, and she falls in love with her mentor. And after his death, she begins to wonder if he might have been responsible for a number of murders in the area. Now, I asked the first guest this because he's a writer. Um, do you tend to incorporate some of your own backstory into your writing? Sure. Yeah, I, I think I said at one time in an interview that I write autobiographical fiction at times. Yes. Um, it's easier than writing nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So with this, this uh, novel in particular, it was inspired by an assault I had gone through when I was 18. I'd been locked in a trailer at knife point for 12 hours. And, oh, my gosh. And I, think because, yeah, and I think because of that experience, I was really identifying with other victims of assault and, and particularly those victims who weren't as fortunate as I was and that I survived and a number of these victims had not. Um, so that really got me thinking and inspiring the novel idea. I want to mention that you turned that experience, is this correct, into The Last Woman in the Forest, that book? Well, I turned, so I did a little bit. I turned, um, in fact, one of the chapters is written, is based loosely on my own personal experience. Um, but, I, but I think it was more inspired by the Connecticut River Valley murders, which took place during the 1980s, and it's when at least six women were murdered along the corridor of New Hampshire and Vermont. And learning about those murders really resonated with me because of my own experience, but also because the killer was never apprehended. That is so creepy. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, where were you living at the time? Well, I was out west, but I learned about these murders when I moved to New Hampshire. I moved to New Hampshire to take a job, and a man I was dating, he was a forester, he told me about these murders, and he told me about the killer never being apprehended. And I thought about my own assault and that the killer was never apprehended. Mm -hmm. uh, not the killer, but the, the assailant was never apprehended. I later learned, just weeks before my first adult debut novel came out, I learned that the man who had assaulted me had gone on and murdered his wife before taking his life. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. could you share, I mean, how did you escape? Um, he let me go. It, there, was a, there was a moment where I really saw my life before my eyes, and I really did. I thought this is it. I, mm -hmm. I, I really thought I was going to be cut in pieces and left under the trailer. And um, for whatever reason, it was almost like just something came over me, and I started speaking to him, and yeah. I was calm. And I've heard this from other survivors, mm -hmm. that those who remained calm, and they can't understand why this calmness came over them, but it did. I started speaking to him, and he... For a minute, he gave me the knife. I threw it. <laughs> I panicked once I got the knife. Yeah. It, it was a crazy moment, but I survived, and I, I don't know why. Wow. You know, I really don't. Unbelievable. It must be very cathartic, though, to put pieces of yourself into your writing. Oh, it really is. Um, it was something I don't think I had totally processed until realizing that 
he was no longer out there, knowing that he was dead, um, really freed me up. And I, and I had reached out to the criminal profiler, John Philpin, who's internationally renowned. He worked on John Bonnet, the John Bonnet Ramsey case. He's worked on over 200 cases around the world. I reached out to him because he was the criminal profiler on the Connecticut River Valley murder cases. And he got back with me. He's retired now, but he was really there for me throughout the process of this writing. He said, you know, I didn't realize how personal this was going to be for you because I shared with him my own experience. And so he was there for me as I personally processed my experience. He, he has a you know background in psychology, but then he was also there for me, helping me um, with the plot and with the characters of the novel. He's a, an author himself. And then, you know, in the end, I ended up dedicating the book to him because of his work with me, but also I told him because of just the work that he's done for 30-some-odd years with all these victims and their families. Yeah. You're committing his life to that, to helping these people. Did you always want to become a writer? I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> I've been asked that a lot, and yeah. I, I think it was something that was just in my DNA because... Um, once somebody asked me, how long, when did you first know you wanted to be a writer? And I said, well, you know, I remember before I could really spell words, I was just kind of scribbling down on paper and then would read stories back to my mom. So I've always sort of lived in an imaginary, imaginary world. I think it's great, though. I mean, doesn't it, it, I feel like writing is so healing and it helps you work things out. It does. And, and, and particularly the kind of writing I do, because I do realistic fiction, uh, I've had a number of people read my work. I wrote three young adult novels, and now I have the two adult novels, and all of them are realistic. Um, a number of people have said your work reads like nonfiction. So I think because of that, it, it, it is a way to process things you know, so, and, and just gain a better understanding. So what is, how would you describe realistic fiction? Realistic fiction would be things that could really happen in real life so that the reader can identify with those characters and those situations. You know, they don't have the fantastical element or the, you know, it's not fantasy or science fiction, but right. really grounded also in detail. So my writing is strong in, in settings so that I, I want to create a scene and environment in which the, the reader literally feels as if he or she can just walk right into that setting and experience it. I love that. So experiential fiction. Yes. And uh, what do you teach? I know you, you, where you were teaching, correct? I was. So I've taught creative writing since the 1990s. I, I taught um, community college, college, all the way up to graduate school. I was a professor of English and director of a Master of Fine Arts program. I stepped down when I started working on this book. I, I gave up my writing, I mean, my teaching. This book really took a lot out of me, and I just, I think I just taught so long, and I'd been teaching 12 months a year, that I, I just needed that break. But I'm actually realizing how much I miss mentoring and being with the students and the community, and so now that I've gotten this project behind me, I'm considering going back into academia. I think it's great. Yeah. I'm reading about all the other things you do, and I, I, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out, and I'm always fascinated <laughs> with, I'm fascinated with how people take care of themselves, and um, you are part of so many different things. Um, equine Therapy Center, you're a volunteer there, back in the Saddle Equine Therapy Center. Um, you're very into the outdoors, archery, cycling, snowshoeing. Um, 
tell me how that feeds you. It feeds your soul and your creativity. Well, somebody recently told me I had ADHD, and so I think that might have something to do with it. But I think the bigger piece is, you know, when you're just sitting down trying to find the answers and the words and come up with this material, looking at a screen or a pad of paper, I, I oftentimes that's when I will experience the writer's block. And if I can just get out by myself and put myself in a natural setting where I'm doing something physical, things seem to work themselves out in my mind. They just sort of, you know, it's almost like a little epiphany. Epiphanies throughout the day keep, keep happening. So right. moving my body, keeping myself going where you're not, you know, trying to look for the answer. It just the answer comes to you, and I think that's when I can listen to what my characters are trying to show me, what the story needs to be. I can hear it rather than forcing it. Yes. I know. I find that if I'm taking a walk and it's a beautiful, you know, morning, and all of a sudden I'm thinking about what I've been writing, that the, the, the characters come to me, the dialogue, the setting, the plot points, whatever, it just works its, its way out, as you said. Exactly. Yeah, it really does. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it feels miraculous in the moment when it happens. So uh, what uh, do you have planned next, or are you taking a little hiatus? No, you know, I, I think if I, if I don't have a project I'm working on, I tend to have to really push the demons away and the depression away. Just I find that I'm alive when I have something I'm working on, so I'm realizing that's what I say, it's part of my DNA. Um, I, I do have a novel I've just about finished plotting out, and I don't mean plotting out in a real mechanical kind of sense, but I really mean imagining mm-hmm. the story and jotting down those scenes and images until I'm ready to write. Just about finished mapping that out, and it's about a, a school teacher in a small town out west who gets involved trying to help one of her students, and in doing so, um, gets caught up in a really dangerous world. Interesting. That sounds, yeah. like, that sounds like a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of the books could be, actually. They do. You know? They do. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to people that are writers, uh, aspiring writers, or they're struggling with the craft? Yeah, this is, you know, the, the craft of writing and wanting to be a writer is just, it is so challenging, but, but I think to really appreciate the process and to realize that, you know, what motivates us is not only experiencing some kind of competency and some kind of reward, but, but also just that challenge. The challenge can also be motivating and it makes you feel more alive. So my advice to, to writers would be to never get up, to, to never give up, to really appreciate the process to be in that moment instead of jumping ahead in time am I going to get published is this going to be received really get deep into the moment experience it in the present um, that's the beauty of it that's really where the art and the passion lies and to imagine it not to force and create you know don't go for that end result go for the moment where you're writing that scene or you're in that character's mind or you're, you're in that setting experience it you know, just fully Yes. experience the process fully. Do you ever, have you had moments where you think, is this really good? I mean, are people really going to like this? And if you do, how do you get through those moments of negative thoughts? Of course I do. Um, I don't think I have those moments when I'm in the process of writing. I'll put headphones on that play white noise, mm-hmm. or sometimes I'll play a song on repeat. And in that moment, it's just magical. You know, I'm not worrying about is this good or not because I just feel like I'm living what I'm writing. Yes. It's when I go back 
and maybe I'll email the manuscript to my Kindle and I'll sit there and try to read it as a reader. I'm going, oh my gosh, <laughs> nobody's going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I panicked. And yeah. I'll be reading a really terrific novel or even a piece of nonfiction. I'm going, oh my gosh, what have I done with my own writing? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I feel that way, then I go back and I say, okay, well, why am I feeling that way? Maybe this isn't good and I need to relook at it and I need to re-experience it and look for ways to make it better. So I do a lot of revision as well. I think editing is a big part of the writing process and it needs to be just as magical as the original writing. You know, we're not copy editing something, we're, we're revising. You know, we're really making it better. Yes. So reimagining it. So if something, if I'm reading something and there's that pause where I'm going, oh, that doesn't feel really good. Something's not right. Or pay attention, you know, listen to that small voice that's nudging you and saying you're not there yet. You know, you get an editor and my agent's eyes once yes. um, when you're looking to, to place a manuscript. So you want to make sure it's, you feel like it's ready. You know, really listen to what your inner voice is telling you. Great advice. So we have to wrap up, but where can people find out more about you? Sure. So I have a website on www.layback.com, and that's L-E-S-B-E-C-Q-U-E-T-S.com. Um, I also have a Facebook author page, so it's Diane Layback Author. Um, yeah. Fantastic. I want to thank you so much for calling in. Congratulations on your latest book. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed talking with you. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks, Janine. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was author Diane Lebeck calling in to talk about her latest book, The Last Woman in the Forest. And if you missed any part of this, it is all the info is on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. (laughs) 